You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Built by Bama online podcast presents Daybreak for Wednesday. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you. We certainly hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you do and you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Built by Bama Online podcast, if you don't mind, maybe a rating and a review while you're there. That would help us out immensely as well. A lot of things to get to on the podcast this morning. We're going to start with some serious news and what appears to be some good news in retrospect involving Alabama Offensive Coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. We're going to get into e-ticketing for the upcoming college football season at the University of Alabama. We'll talk some Alabama men's basketball recruiting as Nate Oates provides an overview of his 2020 signing class. We'll also get into a campus ride I took on Tuesday around the University of Alabama campus. Maybe you saw some of those pictures right there on the roundtable, Bryant Denny Stadium, and also an interesting sort of traffic relief system that is going into play right there adjacent to Coleman Coliseum. We'll get into that as well, and we'll get out of here on a Wednesday by talking punning, punning. We talk so much about field goal kicking in relation to the Alabama Crimson Tide, but some sobering stats as we move into year three post-J.K. Scott in the Alabama punting game. So we'll get into that as well. First, though, interesting to learn on Tuesday afternoon that Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian underwent successful heart surgery last week over in Birmingham. Turns out, according to the statement from the University of Alabama football program, The coaching staff participates in an annual executive physical, as it's referred to, and during that physical, Sarkeesian was determined to need a procedure to correct a congenial cardiovascular anomaly, as it was referred to, before it became more of an issue for Sark. Sark underwent what is being called a successful procedure last Thursday, July the 2nd, over in Birmingham. And according to UA Football, Sark is back home here in Tuscaloosa and is expected to make a full recovery. Kind of interesting, too, with the timeline of this, because as we know, with the adjusted football calendar due to the coronavirus, the COVID-19 pandemic, Alabama football, as far as coaches and players and their interaction are concerned, are going to be able to ramp that up even more starting next week. So it will be interesting to see exactly what Sark's availability is. Uh, Obviously, a heavily resourced program at Alabama in terms of coaching staff, not just on the field staff. You've got guys serving in analyst roles, off the field roles that have coordinator experience, guys like Major Applewhite and others. So we'll see how Alabama proceeds. Perhaps Sark is going to be okay, good to go. And look, a lot of this stuff, even with the players back in Tuscaloosa, back in the building, you're still going to have a lot of teleconferencing even within the Malmore Athletic Facility because social distancing mandates are still in effect. You're not going to have 30, 40, 50 guys on the offensive side of the ball in a big auditorium. 
So perhaps wherever Sark's at, he's going to be joining his guys via teleconference, and he can do that from pretty much anywhere. Regardless, we certainly hope for a speedy return to good health for Sark, as he is just 46 years old, and as we know, coming off his first full season as the offensive coordinator at the University of Alabama, and a lot on his plate going through a quarterback transition from Tuatanga Vailoa to Mac Jones, Bryce Young in that mix, but certainly a lot of weapons for Sark to still have to work with. All right, on Tuesday, you also learned of e-ticketing going into play for the upcoming Football season at the University of Alabama, no real surprise there. You could kind of see this coming. It's going to be the situation around collegiate athletics, especially with the situation we find ourselves in right now. Numerous reasons why it makes sense for Alabama and others to go exclusively, for the most part, to this approach. First of all, with the COVID-19 situation, you're talking about a safety issue, a health issue in terms of handling tickets kind of making the process as touchless, I guess you could say, as possible. It also offers Greg Byrne, other athletic directors, other athletic departments out there, more flexibility in terms of how tickets are assigned, whether that has to do with capacity reductions, whether that has to do with priority, whether that has to do with folks perhaps having the opportunity for tickets, maybe they opt out. Alabama then can turn around in a very timely manner and make those tickets available to other season ticket holders in the event that we're looking at limited capacity. And of course, there's a cost effectiveness issue in play here as well. Not that it was the primary concern, but it does work out if there is a silver lining in all of this and what these athletic departments are having to deal with in terms of attendance and the byproduct of ticketing and things like that. It will be much more cost effective for athletic departments moving forward to go paperless and just employ the e-approach. And you're still going to be able to sell and buy tickets on a secondary market. That's already been in play. What do you think StubHub's been doing in these other online services for years now? But it will certainly be different. you kind of grown accustomed if you're up there in age a little bit, if you're middle-aged even. big part of rolling up to the stadium on game day, maybe you didn't have tickets and you'd find those brokers, those scalpers out there with the tickets in the air, or just fans in general trying to unload tickets. It's going to be a totally different approach. I promise you, once you get comfortable with the E way of doing it, you will like it. You will like it, and you'll also like it in case you don't have tickets on game day. It's very easy to purchase tickets via the E approach. So there's going to be some anxiety. Look, I'm the same way when it comes to technology. I work on the internet, but that doesn't make me internet savvy. So I totally get it from that perspective. But I think once they get a few of the the rough spots worked out, it's going to pay dividends in multiple areas of ticketing. And perhaps if you're a Tide Pride member, you'll still get that goodie bag. I know a lot of folks like that goodie bag. They like to get that schedule magnet. They like to get perhaps that, what, that license plate that you get some years as a Tide Pride member. If you're really up there, maybe you even still get a media guide. Speaking of going basically electronic, that's kind of the way that media guides have gone here in recent years. 
Shifting gears to men's basketball, Nate Oates provided an overview on Tuesday of really his first full recruiting class as head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And look, you don't have to be Marty Blake. That's kind of an okay boomer reference. Marty's a long time ago when it comes to talent evaluators. Okay, maybe you don't have to be a Fran Frischilla. If you're a draft, Nick, when it comes to the NBA, you know who Fran Frischilla is on ESPN's coverage. Either way, a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, and a lot of versatility in this 2020 group for Nate Oates, which all the credit in the world, once again, to Brian Hodgson, assistant head coach for Nate Oates at Alabama. You look at pretty much all of these guys, and you see Brian Hodgson as the primary recruiter for each and one, every one of these prospects. And sort of that variety that we expected in the Nate Oates era in terms of streams of talent and where players would come from, well, that shows up in this group. You've got high school players, you've got a junior college standout in Keon Ellis, and you got a grad transfer from Yale in Jordan Bruner. So as far as talent acquisition goes, Nate Oates and this staff checked all those boxes this time around, and Nate Oates promised you. He promised you during the last season, his first season on the job, that his second team would look a good deal different than his first team at Alabama, and that is certainly going to be the case. Obviously, still waiting word on an official capacity from John Petty, whether or not he stays or go. The math right now tells you somebody's going because you got 13 scholarships and 14 guys as it sits right now. But again, as far as the newcomers are concerned, Alex Chaku, 6'11", most recent commitment to Alabama, incredible upside, can play face up the basket, can play that 94-foot game, can finish with authority, can handle it extremely well for a player of his size. Josh Primo, another one of these bigger guards at 6'5", 6'6", a lot of length, like Chaku, a reclassifier from the 2021 class to 2020, and asking some folks who really are into this stuff on a day-to-day basis, like Travis Branham, who does it for 247sports.com, he still feels like if Alabama has a one-and-done from this group of freshmen, he would certainly side with Josh Primo in that regard. He really likes Keon Ambrose Hilton, too. Fellow Canadian, alongside Josh Primo. Darius Miles, another big perimeter-type player at 6'7". Keon Ellis, very dynamic out there on the wing and at that two-guard position. Then you add the maturity and the versatility of Jordan Bruner as a post player. And there's a lot of excitement from the Alabama fan base in terms of the upcoming season, and there should be. Amazing, really, though, when you consider that Kyra Lewis Jr. has left for the NBA. But then when you consider not only these newcomers, but what you saw from Jaden Shackelford as a freshman last season, the expectations for Javon Quinterly at the point guard position, you still haven't seen guys like Jawan Gary and James Rojas, both of whom were forced to sit out last season with knee injuries. So the imagination begins to run wild for a lot of Alabama fans when considering the lineup combinations that Nate Oates will have to work with in 2020-2021. We're still trying to figure out, too, kind of like football, what the college basketball season is going to look like, especially when you consider this Alabama team has a trip scheduled to the Maui Invitational. 
And right now, the state of Hawaii continues to work under a mandatory 14-day quarantine. So we'll see how that plays out in terms of the schedule, especially early in the season, the latter stages of 2020 before you get into January and what is typically a run-up to conference play. Going to take a quick break here on the Built by Bama online podcast. When we come back, we'll take you along on our Tuesday campus ride, and we'll talk some punting for the Alabama football team when Daybreak returns right here on the Built by Bama online podcast right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back with more on the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL with you. As promised, some highlights from Tuesday's campus ride-along, we'll call it. Got out a little bit midday on Tuesday. Still so much road work being performed in the Tuscaloosa area these days. You got to have your head on a swivel when it comes to detours out there. But with the youngest daughter serving as navigator, sort of riding shotgun there with me, we made our way around. She's really excited. She's an incoming freshman at UA. So she too has her fingers crossed where Rush is concerned coming up in just a matter of weeks now and her move-in date there at Tutwiler Hall. By the way, the new Tutwiler Hall still under construction. That one is going to be ready for the fall of 2022. But got by Bryant-Denny Stadium and continue to see a lot of that glass work going in there on the exterior of the west side of the stadium. Of course, new club areas, uh, boxes going in there where the press box was and has been moved now. Elite premium seating there right there in the middle of the west side, an expanded concourse area. Some really high-tech looking stuff. I think people are going to be surprised at how Bryant-Denny in some ways takes on more of the look of one of these futuristic NFL stadiums we're seeing more and more of. Not only that, the condo and apartment construction on the west side of Bryant-Denny Stadium continues to move along unimpeded. Amazing how much of that work continues to go on. We're to the point now over on the west side of Bryant-Denny where apartments are being raised and being replaced by new structures. We're sort of recycling now apartments and condos. We talk about the sort of arms race when it comes to facilities and amenities for college football, college basketball, facilities and stadiums. Well, it's same in terms of trying to attract that dollar from the fans out there. If you're in the condo or game day apartment sort of business, you got to have those amenities on point. That's what we're seeing now in that particular industry. It was also interesting driving through behind the left field fence out there at the Joe as you come into the Coleman Coliseum Complex parking area right there with the law school to your left. Straight in front of you, you can see where there is this flyover that's going to 
take you over the railroad tracks there and towards 15th Street. That is well under construction. Made our way around to 15th and over on that side, sort of across 15th Street from, say, Guthrie's. You're seeing that flyover, viaduct, I guess maybe you could call it as well. Uh, It's going over, going over the railroad tracks. Now, the project was approved like two years ago, so this kind of should be in the making at this point, but fascinating to see and really give folks the ability to connect there from 15th Street on that side, the other side of Coleman Coliseum, and come into the complex, which is important because it's not just about athletic events and attendance that you're going to help facilitate from a traffic perspective. On a daily basis, that parking lot there at Coleman Coliseum, it is a hub for mass transit, for the bus system on campus. So you're going to kill multiple birds with one stone once that baby's complete. And again, if you're wanting to see maybe some pictures of that work, it's on the thread there, Tuesday campus ride on the Bama Online Roundtable right now if you'd like to see more of that. All right, after some talk of progress, let's get into the Alabama punting game. Yeah, right? Let me give you some good news first, all right? We're going to try to keep this thing positive as much as we can. The plus side to the post-J.K. Scott era at Alabama is that the Crimson Tide hasn't had a punter get enough work the last two seasons to qualify for the SEC's individual punter rankings. Either of the last two seasons, that's been the case. During that stretch, the 2018-2019 seasons, no team in the SEC has punted less than Alabama. All right, now I've got to inject some reality into the situation. And that is the fact that Alabama has ranked 13th and 14th as a team in punting in the league, in the SEC, in 2019 and 2018, respectively. Post-J.K. Scott, Alabama has averaged 37.6 yards per punt. Over Scott's four seasons on the job, he averaged 45.6 yards per boot. So we're talking about nearly a first down's worth of distance. Alabama's losing post-J.K. Scott every time it punts the football. And yes, I know you have to factor in field position kicking, hang tens as they're called, when you're trying to pin opponents down inside their 10 or 20-yard lines. But even in that area, Scott was far better than what Alabama has produced the last two seasons. So where does Alabama go from here? Well, over the last two seasons, the Crimson Tide has utilized four different punters, three of whom are still on the roster. When you talk about Skylar DeLong, Mike Bernier moves on after punting in Alabama's Citrus Bowl win over Michigan. Actually had a really nice outing in his swan song performance for the Crimson Tide. Will Reichard is back after sustaining the injury during the early stages of the 2019 season to that hip while attempting a kickoff that really cost him virtually all of his first year on campus. And you also have Ty Pirine, the walk-on from Prattville, who was forced into action a year ago after the injury 
to Will Reichard, who was being asked early on in his career to handle not only field goals and kickoffs, but also the punting. Once Reichard went out against Southern Miss last September, Skyler DeLong was put back into play after his struggles in 2018 as a true freshman. Skyler once again struggled mightily, and the decision going into the Tennessee game was made to insert Ty Pirine into the spot. Now, despite the fact that the decision was made to go with Bernier in the bowl game to cap the 2019 season, there were glimpses of some really positive punting from Ty P. Ryan. He finished the season at 44.7 yards per punt. He had the mishap against LSU. The stat you don't like to see with any of your punters is one rush for minus 19 yards. That was Ty Pirine against LSU when he muffed a perfect snap and was dropped for a big loss. But in terms of being able to flip the field, Ty Pirine gave you some of that last season. Had a couple of punts of 50 yards or more. Still a little bit of a work in progress in terms of being able to mix in that changeup that is that positional field positional punt when you're trying to pin folks down on the short field. But again, there was at least reason for optimism in watching him get off some big punts that helped flip the field. And so with Will Reichard coming off the hip injury, you know that Jeff Banks, special teams coach and a former college punter in his own right, would love to take that load off of Will Reichard. Make him just more of your field goal guy. Make him more of uh, field goal, maybe kickoffs as a part of that. You got Joseph Bulovis that you can mix in there on placements as well. And it's not just sort of a workload issue. There's a totally different technique involved to soccer-style place kicking and punting. So you would love for Will Reichard to be able to put his focus on one specific area and really fine-tune that as much as possible. The concern with DeLong is that you're now two years into his time at Alabama, and what you've seen is a real lack of confidence, what appears to be more of a psychological issue than anything physically related. And when you consider the opportunities that he's been given – what it says to me is that probably Monday through Thursday, Skylar DeLong does enough to convince the coaching staff to run him out there on game days. But for whatever reason on Saturdays, there's a bit of a hurdle for him that's been extremely difficult to clear when we talk about from the psychological perspective. And usually we associate that with field goal kickers, but it can also crop up for punters. So given the options right now, I would probably lean more to Ty Pirine, again, because I like his upside. And really, don't get me wrong, it was a big one, the mishap against LSU. He seemed to be pretty comfortable in the job. And again, he's the only guy Alabama's had over the last two seasons who has punted 10 or more times and averaged more than 40 yards per punt. That would seem important, again, considering... That Alabama, as a team, last two seasons, hasn't averaged more than 38 yards per boot. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. Again, if you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to the Built by Bama online podcast. Leave a rating and or a review while you're there. That would be appreciated as well. Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great rest of your Wednesday. 
Keep it locked at BamaOnline.com for more coverage of everything Crimson Tide.